it's um you talking you're just having a conversation with me i can do that it's not it'd be different if we was in front of uh multiple people you know yeah. but we're just having a conversation uh about everyday life um don't worry about it so cool all right all right ladies welcome to street recovery i'm your host crenshaw and you have both mrs duncans in the house <laughs> so here we go here we got michaela michaela duncan and wanda duncan miss wanda duncan uh the mother of uh one of our guests malik duncan the uh uh pro ball player for uh indoor football league so i don't give a damn uh what you know he made it he's out of the trenches he's on another level that's mm -hmm. pro football so he's a plus he'll be on tv when they go to the uh you know playoffs and championships so yes indeed yes. yeah so all right ladies let's get to it the young miss duncan yes all right Street recovery. Street recovery. You got a story. I got a story. You, it's it's funny you say street recovery because I'm trying to recover these streets. Okay. Yes. Uh, That's the goal. Yes, your pro, your brother was telling me you have a foundation where you help a lot of people. I do. I have a nonprofit organization called Pearl's House, mm -hmm. and it is dedicated to homeless women and children, mm -hmm. homeless homelessness in general. Yes. Um. <clears throat> I'm also just dedicated to empowering women within that same foundation. It, homelessness is is a very touchy topic. Yes, and, it is. Um, a lot of people are homeless more and more these days. Yeah, and and they struggle with mental health, and and that contributes to it. You know, just having the mental health and the disabilities, and being homeless in addition to that, it's a battle when they don't have enough assistance out here for them. So I'm trying to make a difference. Let me ask you this. What what is the number uh ratio of homeless women out here? Oh my god, I don't know that back. You don't <laughs> <laughs> is a lot, huh? It's a ton. Oh. It's in Ohio alone, I wanna say it was about oh my god, the percentage rate. When I last checked it it was about at about seventy two percent. Of women homeless? Yeah. Wow. Women that was homeless. And that was like 2020, 2021. Wow. That was a couple of years ago. What are the... Uh... It's not... It's just... Yeah, it's just... It's a lot of women that's homeless. With children on top of that. Um, Years ago, mm -hmm. I worked at a uh, domestic violence uh, center. Mm -hmm. And it was only for women. Mm-hmm. The amount of women that I seen in there escaping, and that they were homeless as well, mm -hmm. uh, escaping their situations. It was, it was, it was different as a man looking in into this. Uh, and we talking about back in ninety nine, two thousand, where I worked in. It was, it was a different thing to look at and see why and how uh, a lot of women. Get into these situ, or part of these situations. Yeah. Um, as a young man, I couldn't, I couldn't understand. Um, a woman, a woman with children, 
getting herself into these situations. Mm-hmm. But as you go on in life, you say, oh, it come from dealing with this dumbass guy. Yeah. Or putting herself in the situations with this guy. Also, it can come from the lack of support. And it also starts, too, from the way they, they was brought up, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can the environment. the beginning of their raising. You know, they seen it from their parents, so they accept it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a, a generational yeah, curse. Yeah, it's a lot of down. things that go yeah. on in our lives. It's because of general curses. Yeah, generational curses for sure. I really feel like the lack of support is something that's really big, though, because True. we don't have a lot of women supporting women. We don't have a lot of people supporting, supporting women. People, correct. You know, in our culture, and and in our culture in particular, women do not empower. It's not often you see other black women empowering other black that's women. True. Let's touch on that. Why? Uh, why is that? You think? Because society makes us think that it has to be a competition. And it's not a competition because everybody can win. Everybody, even we can have the same, the same views. We can have the same morals. We might even have the same, be able to same to do, be able to do the same things. But mm-hmm. we don't do them the same. My talent isn't going to be the same type of talent you have. My skill set is not going to be the same type of skill set you have. You know. So ultimately, everybody can win in a different aspect, even if it is under the same umbrella. But society doesn't want it to be that way. Or. It could be also, it's just that, again, that curse. Because somebody said, oh, no, she ain't supposed to win. Yeah. You know, she, she, or it's all, it's just a curse. It's just a curse that we inherit through our culture. Our culture. Um, speaking of that, our culture, we've went through so much. Uh, we start, you know. We start back in slavery. Of course. Um, black women, especially. Uh, so many things that you ladies have been through. Uh, comedian Dick Gregory, he once said, the strongest thing in America is the black woman and the black church. Um, these days, black women still strong, black church still strong as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things that a lot of guys I see on social media, they're questioning a lot of black women behavior. And it's like, I wonder why a lot, of, it's <clears throat> mostly the younger. Of course. It's mostly the younger, under under 30. You know, they're questioning black women behavior. Of course. And it's I'm wondering why are they questioning black women behavior? Because they're looking for a way out. Because they're not looking for their their way to get what they need by going out here getting their own. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a woman. And, you know, it's sad because it's, again, and I hate to keep on saying this because it's, again, it starts home. You know, a lot of our black men, they, they look at women to provide. Provide. Make a way. To make a way for you because they didn't get it at home or somebody didn't raise them or somebody didn't teach them to do these things. So they get with these young, they get with this younger generation now and this social media thing is just the worst. Well, and no. <laughs> it is to the point. Social media. 
Social that, media is because again, you just said it. It lead it. The guys leading on social media to talk about. What, yeah. So that's what it's coming from. They're talking about us, but then they go back home to us for us to cook, feed, and provide for them. Yeah, you you absolutely right. Um, one of the things uh, I wanted to touch on uh, with this social media thing, our youth, not just women, mm-hmm. uh, the boys. Uh, it's no... How can I say? It's it's no it's no creativity and it's more and more uh <laughs> I'm gonna say it, ratchetness from a lot of the guys. Uh a lot of us we we do it because it's an easy money thing. Uh I was listening to one guy and he was stating how we are coming out of the uh, industrial area, mm-hmm. you know, far as making jobs, and we go into creating this content. Oh, and yeah. what's going on is we're losing ourselves, <clears throat> and we're working harder creating this content than we would if we were out here in this working man industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're bouncing that. around here because a lot of these guys and young female, they're it's like they're writing their own movie. Yeah. And the movie isn't isn't good and it's not going to end up um people that you come across, young young women in the field that you're in. Mhm. What I'm going to say this. What do you think about some of the situations they get themselves into? And when they put themselves in these situations and come to gotta come to you for the help. I honestly when I look at it, um because there's no judgment for me. Correct. There's no judgment. It's just it's life. It's 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 life. And life, unfortunately, is life in you know? Life, life is life in all the across you the board. Think that- Everything is so expensive, and then you go to pay your light bill. You go. It's a choice now. Yeah. It's a choice. Rent. Do I pay my rent, or yeah. do I pay my lights, gas, and make sure we have our utilities, or make sure you we got have groceries? Three to four kids in the household. You paying rent twelve. You mm-hmm. you don't opt out. Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> Come on, let's talk about go. it. You don't. You don't got put out of section eight. You don't got put out of. Public housing because of some man, okay, or some reason. Let's just say some reason. I ain't gonna. I'm not gonna point no fingers. You don't got put out of public housing, and now you got to put that twelve hundred dollar rent by yourself. Most people they getting some type of uh, social security or something, you know, to try to get this rent paid or whatever doing the whatever they got to get, and they they get this rent. They probably stand in one place for about maybe two to three months, and they know it takes 45 days to be put out of a place, and you've got mm-hmm. to go through all of these different reasons to put them out now. You just can't put a person out. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's hard. So when we went to do the soup and sandwich day, yes. we're going to talk about that. Yes. And when we, yeah, we talked to we talked to a lot of women down there at the shelter, and a lot of women were just saying it just happened. It just it. 
They shut their eyes, and next thing you know, they became homeless. And that do happen, because you think about some days how you got to think, am I going to pay this, I'm going to pay that? Um, you know, it happens. It, fortunate, pe- you know, I have always been able to be able to do what I need to do for my children and make sure that we had a roof over our head. But don't work. think that it wasn't a day where I had to – figure it out, you know what I'm saying? Of course, yes, yes. So I don't put nothing past another person because that lady had or that man had to figure it out and they couldn't figure it out because mental health plays too on a lot of people. Instead of figuring it out, they opt out. Yeah, and that's where I feel like that lack of support comes into play. Yes. Because if you have somewhere that's going, okay, I can go here. I don't know. I, I got this problem. I don't know how to fix it, but I can go to this place and I know I can tell them what my problem is. Maybe they can help me figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? That lack of support in, in the communities where yeah. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not about to tell, I'm not going to, you, you go to the place to go get your bills paid, but you have people that work there that lack in customer service skills uh. that make you feel horrible uh. for, for needing help. Yeah. And that should never be the case. I need help. And as a person working in this environment, or or choosing this field, you should be willing to help me. Help, yes, yes. You know, I had get a guest bed unless you want to help. Unless you want to help me. I had a guest on, uh, Anita Santiago. She's a clinical uh, health, clinical and mental health uh, specialist. I'm mm-hmm. gonna say, you said mental health and no support. No she support. She said the same thing. None. When you when a lot of people, especially women, have these mental health issues, there's no support. What the hell is going on where we won't uh, support or assist in this? When you know this woman has kids, mm-hmm. she need to get herself together. What the hell is going on with a lot of us in this world where we're not willing to help and support this? First thing they say is you strong. Yeah. As a as a African or American woman. And that's a touchy one for me. Yeah. Because They'll say, oh, you're strong. That I have been told that. I'm 58. Yeah. <laughs> I have been told that my whole life I am a strong woman. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this right now. She is strong. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I have my weak moments. And I have, yeah, I'm strong to the point when it comes to my four kids. Yeah. I'm strong to the point when it comes to me having to survive. But I'm not strong because sometimes I get weak in my heart, in my mind, where I feel like I'm failing. Yeah. What, what, so just what keeps, think of another woman feeling this way. What keep what kept you going and what kept you pushing um, that motivation to keep on succeeding? Dale, you really don't. <laughs> okay. So for for a long time, I'm able to talk about it now because... I push so many things back to get through life. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we push things as mothers. We push things back to make sure our kids survive. We push things back to make sure life happens. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. We don't think about it. We just keep going. Why don't don't we talk about it and think about it? Because I was told I'm strong. But I'm going to say this with the strong thing. Like, even the strongest person, what I have learned, and I'm going to say this, with the generational curses thing, I have learned how to break few. I haven't broken them all. Mm-hmm. But just because I was able to watch my mom and watch my grandmother 
be the strong woman, never acknowledge their own feelings, never acknowledge their own hurt and pain. Not once have I ever seen my grandmother cry. And I, up until recently, I only seen my mother cry. I'm 31 years old. Mm-hmm. I seen my mother cry one time, one time in my entire life. And when I seen her cry, it almost broke me. But it made me understand, like, even the strongest person have weak moments. And that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. And in our community, it's okay, you're a strong black woman, you're a strong black woman. And society even looks at it that way. But then also it coincides with that whole angry black woman because once I once I do express my feelings, now I'm an angry black woman. You know, I can't if I if I do tell you I'm feeling a certain type of way and because I can say it in a nice but nasty way. You get what I mean? I can tell you, OK, you hurt my feelings and this is how you hurt my feillings because I'm going to break it down. Yes. I'll tell you what you did to hurt my feelings. Now I'm considered an angry black woman because I expressed my hurt or my pain, or my dislike, or uncomfortability, you know, me being uncomfortable in some type of situation. But you should be angry uh, from all the hell that black women has been through. I agree. From uh, 1600s, 1400s, whatever. I agree. All the way up. Um, We was getting ready to get into this. All the hell that black women seen. Yeah. Coming up in the 60s. Before you and I, mm-hmm. 60s, 70s, and 80s, the drug, uh, the drug epidemic in the black community, mm-hmm. we suffered so much. Tremendously. And a lot of the women had to sit there and look at this and see uh, all this hell that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of black men say, well, I had to do something because when they were offering welfare back in the 60s, the man couldn't be in the house and I had to go and survive. They put me we in the situation. That's that. true. How they took all the men out the house. Speak on they it. They took them out. Well, let me say this. I was born in the 60s. Mm-hmm. So in the 70s, I, I lived in King Kennedy. <laughs> King Kennedy Housing Projects. Yes. Yes. I was uh, five years old when I first moved in there. Mm-hmm. And I witnessed so much and I seen so much. And uh, you, when you talked about the drugs and you talked about the different things and me and not being able to be in the house, uh, I seen where they had the, what was it, the Afro sets? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. They had them, and I watched it coming out of my house in many days. I remember one time they put syrup in my sister hair because we have fine hair. So our, her, my sister couldn't get an afro, so they put syrup in her hair going to Central because she couldn't get an afro. Wow. And I remember her coming home crying. So I seen a lot, you know. And, again, we was told, don't cry about it. Get up and go to school the next day yeah. and do what you got to do. Yeah. These kids these days, they don't get to do that. You know, they just opt out and they don't go to school. They we had to go to school. They see a different life now. Exactly. With, uh, um, with what we've been through uh, coming up in the 80s, uh, the crack babies having babies, uh, it, it's it's a lot harder for them Um a lot of people don't understand when you have that chemical imbalance and now this is a part of you and the people say, well, what's wrong with them? Well, you don't know what 
this kid was been through when you know at that era now that kid has kids and it's like uh well what the hell was wrong with that family hey uh, chemical imbalance uh i mean we don't know we on the outside looking in Mm -hmm. um a lot of that is going on um i ask my guests all the time uh you you ladies being firsthand uh living in the projects how much hell are we are we into from this drug culture that's been surviving since the 60s in our community man we're in a lot of hell i feel like because it still affects us even though it's not even as big as it was back then it's and and now it was big then. It was so mm-hmm. huge, and was I wasn't big. even there. <laughs> like, well, I was there. She mm-hmm. was because walking walking across fifty five mm-hmm. during the seventies and eighties, nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The nineties wasn't so bad, but the seventies and eighties, it was terrible because it was back then. It was uh, pills, pills and heroin. Yes, pills and heroin. You couldn't walk up and down the street with so many needles and stuff going around. And then going into the nineties, that's when the crack started coming on. Yeah. It got bad. Then living that life with that in that living that life with someone having family members affected that, by those and, drugs. And, and having to survive with and do with people that actually sold the drugs and mm-hmm. people on the drugs, it was a choice. Yeah. You know, and they tell now I learn we have choices and we have boundaries. And I'm learning this now in my 50s. Mm-hmm. Choices and boundaries. I'm actually learning how to balance that in my life. But then I didn't know that. And so back then you had to survive. It was all yes. it was surviving. And then you seeing people sell the drugs mm-hmm. and they selling it to your family members and you <laughs> It's going to go deep. And you dealing with the people that sell the drugs to your family members. Mm-hmm. But you really ain't, how could I say, um, mentally taking it on like you should. Because you're surviving. You yeah. actually just mentally, just like living. Life just li- life just going, going. You never, you're not taking a step back to really think about what's happening in front of you, around you, how it's affecting you, you know, how, how this can affect you long term. How can it affect you short term? And that's something, like I said, for me, just being able to live the life that I live and watching my parents mm-hmm. and my aunts and my grandparents, I learned a lot just from watching. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was able to break a few curses. Like I said, not all. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working progress. But just just that whole being strong and not expressing my feelings, my mother will tell you I have. I, I'm able to do that, you know. I'm able to say, okay, yeah, no, uh-uh. This is too much. That's a lot. I got to go. <laughs> but, you know, and back to this, I wanted more for my kids. So yeah. I wanted, I didn't want that drug life. Yeah. So I opt out and I went and got me a job and I chose mm-hmm. not to be in that life with that, bringing yeah. my kids up into that because I wanted mm-hmm. something different. Let so me, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> let me ask you this. A lot of ladies, young ladies, don't know the steps to getting, uh, Breaking the cycle. Mm-hmm. What are the steps that you 
have took to get to break the cycle and go through life and uh um the biggest one for me was being able to isolate isolation is key for me um just so i can regain my mental uh and my emotional forget the um, the physical is important always physical is important but my mental and my emotion my physical is nothing without my mental and my emotion my emotional and my and mental isn't so important i remember being a kid and my father just telling me if your mental is gone Something I learned from him and I will take away. He he never did drugs, never smoked, never drank, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the things he's seen around him and how it affected the people he's seen around him. Mm-hmm. So I always kept that with me. And for me, it was like my mental is important. If I do drugs, if I, you know, if I get into become a person that's addicted, if I become an addict, mm-hmm. these things will deter my mental, right? Take my, knock my mental down. I can't have that because then I will be knocked down as a person. And it's too mm-hmm. much that I want to accomplish for my family and myself. Um, so what I did was I isolated myself. I took a step back. I was able to look back at, at different situations and things and people and see if they were truly for me and if they weren't based off the interactions because people will show you who they are. Yes, yes, without a doubt. Actions speak louder than words to me. So um, that was the first step for me, taking the step back, isolating, gathering my thoughts, reevaluating everything around me. And from there, I just kind of took it one day at a time because, you know, and I had at that point, I'm setting boundaries. Once I realize what, what's been happening around me, I'm setting my boundaries and I'm sticking to them. And it's hard, but I do it every day because, like I said, it, it, it's, it's what I want. It's, <clears throat> it has made me better in a lot of ways. A lot of stuff I don't want to deal with, I don't have to deal with. You're right. And another thing is people don't want to go and get counseling. And I don't know in why. our community in especially. In our yeah. And I don't know why we say, "Oh, that means you're crazy." That means No, I've been getting counseling a long time. And oh. I love every time I speak to my counselor. You know, you're the second person uh I spoke with that said that. A lot of us, and especially black male, mm-hmm. we don't go and do that. We don't speak to anyone. Yeah. We sit here and we keep this stuff inside of us for years, for years. And sometimes a lot of black and males And it's explode. really hard for you. Like black men, it's so hard for you guys, like on an emotional level. Mm-hmm. Because you do have to keep a lot of stuff in. You know, you guys yeah. aren't able to really express and that's something I, I, I that that's something that is I can understand that, but that that's something that's so hard for you guys. But should, then, you guys should totally be able to express your emotions mm-hmm. without having the, like, the backlash. Again, when you go and you speak with these concerts and you don't like that concert, you don't feel that that concert giving you get Would another you one. Get a new one. Are you know how many concerts I've been through? And I, I I thought one time I really thought that if I got an African American woman that was middle aged that she can really understand understand her. me, that lady was not for me, and I and that was so it was so quick for me to tell her I no longer need your services. Didn't she didn't know where you she didn't experience what you experienced. It wasn't that she just or, it wasn't. Let's talk about customer service again and, and giving people what it is. It was that she was just doing her job and just wasn't there what I needed her to be with giving me what I need. Now, you know, I don't been through a lot. I, I think I started constantly maybe in um, the nineties with their dad. It was yeah. because of something with their dad. It actually, I'm gonna be honest. It was with their dad. I was um, 
kind of like going through something because, you know, that was my first boyfriend. Yes. And I lost it, you know, with the things he was doing. So, but I got my, I, I decided I wanted to get counseling. I got counseling. Yes. And I'm not scared to talk about it. A lot of us. Once I did it, I never stopped going. And it kept me going. I might have stepped back a couple of times, but I always got back into it because I know I need that. Remember when I talked about putting things in the back? Yeah. That's why I go and drop it. Why don't we why don't we come to these terms and say, maybe I need to go and speak to someone? Scared. What is it? Scared. Fear. Fear, scared. fear of being what judged. People telling you yeah. what people telling you because they think they're gonna give you medicine. I do not take not yeah. nail medicine. You can decline of me just going anything. in there talking. Yeah, I just go in there and talk. I spend two hours. I know I do forty five minutes now, but I do forty five minutes of just telling what I want to talk about. I talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. I talk about my job. I talk about my kids. I talk about my mom. I talk about when my mom been deceased for now. A long time. I talk about a lot of people. I talk about uh, things that happened in my childhood, things I seen. The first thing I seen as a kid when I was 13 that hurted me. I talked about that. I talk about a lot. This is how we get to uh, that next level of recovering, you know, just talking about it. Of course. You know, a lot of us, we don't. And a lot of us, I could say, we don't know how to deal with some of the things that we sing. We keep it in us. We don't want to talk to nobody. Yeah. We don't, you know, that strong thing that applies to you. When they say you, you got to be strong, it also applies to us black males. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say males, period. Uh, but it, it, it's something that, uh, that's a cycle I... I really need to speak more about that we need to break. Yes. You know. I, I mean, agree. We need to break that cycle. You For know, sure. Everybody needs somebody to talk to. They do. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's, your family and it's not, it's, friends, it's, it's, it's not, it's going to be biased. It's going to be some mm-hmm. judgment. It's going to be some, they oh, you, it's okay. It. Oh, it's, you know, they're going to downplay it. But like I said, if you go see a therapist, they're it's not, not di- they're not going to minimize your feelings, your right thoughts here. or your opinions at all. They are going to acknowledge everything that you're saying, and they're going to Give help you break work. it down to the best of your ability to where you truly understand your feelings, why you feel, how you ended up feeling, what caused those feelings, and how you can fix them. Yes, you get a journal. You start writing things down. You start looking at those things. You write those things down. Your homework becomes... Analyzing yourself. Yes. Your life. And, and then you be like, and wait, it goes I into did, wait, that happened? No. Making yourself a priority. That is the biggest thing I got from therapy. Yeah. Because now that I'm able to focus wholeheartedly on my boundaries, my thoughts, my feelings, I have truly started putting myself first. Because especially in our community, and I'm going to say not so much of our community, but for me, I have, um, I grew up in a household, my mom is one of 10. My dad is one of 10, mm-hmm. you know. All I know is family. Mm-hmm. And, and we're always there for each other. Now, the whole being strong thing, yeah, we don't acknowledge feelings too much. But being there, oh, if some, you need something, we're here. You, you lacking somewhere, let me come over. Oh, something happened, we're, we're showing up. There's no, whether we're talking, not talking. Family is everything. Family is everything to yes. us. Yes. And um, that can take a toll on a person. You know, when you drop a, you, 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 that's all you know. I'm dropping, I'm running, I'm dropping, I'm running to my family. Let me ask you that. Family is everything. Of course. 
dealing with a lot of things that uh, you've seen mm-hmm. coming up, Mr. Duncan, in the 80s, you had, what, a couple kids then? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did. Two. <laughs> what, uh, what was it that, uh, what was the thing that made you go, let me get the hell away from uh, this this madness down here, uh, the shit that was going on, excuse my words, <laughs> the things that were going on down where you grew up. What was the thing that made you say, I got to get my kids away from this? Hold up now. First of all, I stayed in King Kennedy for 34 years. Well, And... It was never get away from there because I we lived there until my kids became mm-hmm. practically teenagers. Yeah, I was 12 mm-hmm. years old when we moved out the project. So, But I always encouraged my kids to be who they were. And I let my kids enjoy life. I let them play football. I let them yeah. play basketball. I let them, um, Michaela, go try and be an entrepreneur in different kind of programs, do everything they need to do. And I worked at CMHA then. Yeah, I was working yeah. at CMHA. And um, so I was involved. But um, every weekend, we, we weren't there. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every weekend, I found something to For do. to do. And like she said, family was important because I, my family, we always had something going on. Or I would get a hotel room and just take my kids to the hotel just and let away. them swim. And let them just get away so they can know something different or taking them different places. That's what yeah. I wanted to touch on. Showing your kids there's something different. She did it. A lot of a lot of people, they don't do that. Yeah. Uh, they keep the kids in a certain environment where uh, the kid don't get to see outside of the community. Yeah. Uh, there are some kids coming up that never been outside the city. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, a lot of the kids, uh, throughout the program we know of, they've never been outside the city. So once they leave high school and they go to another state or something, they can't, they, they, can't. they, they come right back home. Why, why is that? So let me explain that. You know what's so crazy that you say that? My oldest son, Michael Duncan, mm-hmm. he, uh, he... He believed in this. He believed, okay, he, he got his master's degree in special education. He graduated. He went to Tri-C. Yes. He believed everybody should do two years at community college before, before they go to a four year. Yeah. So you can know what it's going to be like when you go to that four year. He's, he endured this into each one of my kids. He did. Yes. Before, they, before y'all go anywhere, y'all need to do a two-year college, you know, before y'all go to a four-year. But Malik went and jumped into a four-year. Okay. And he did do successful. He got his bachelor's. So, but but my son tells us all to every kid that you need to go to a community college before you go jump up and go to a four-year college. To prepare but, yourself. To prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. But because a lot of people haven't seen a lot of things and haven't went away. Mm-hmm. Because I sent him away to Arizona. <laughs> and he was there by himself. To a college, so he had a full scholarship, and it was something different. But I made him do that whole two years. He tried to come home. I said, "Nope, you gonna do it, and you gonna stay there. Yeah. And you gonna. This is when you finna learn what it is to do and finish something." He tried his best to come home, and he would come home for little breaks. You going back mm-hmm. because this is something you committed to. Mm-hmm. 
But again, back to what you asked, people don't, I don't know why, because the community used to offer places and take kids, but okay, so that's more yes. to what you're saying. When we the were community. young, my mother took us to this church called St. Philip's Church on 30th in Central. Central. Okay. And, and it, they used to take us on Saturday to all oh, we did, everything. Horseback riding. What is that when you shoot the born, born, born oh, aerial? aerial. Yeah. And we did all kinds of things that I never would have done in my life. So, But my mother used to cook there, too, and give out uh, food. So my mother would cook on Saturday. And people laugh because I always say, Mama, on Saturday, our, our favorite meal was tuna fish, a tuna fish sandwich and chili. They're like, that don't go together. But that was our meal. <laughs> that's right. You eating. So, um, we, but that's how we learned how to go places and stuff because that's where it started at St. Philip's Church. Within that, the community. His name was Hank. Hank Majors. He took us everywhere. <laughs> and... We had this one van, and he would pile us up, and he'd take this load of kids, take this load of kids, but he'd take us. And I was like, "My kid, I'm taking my, I'm gonna do my kids just like that, you know." But then, the boys and girls center, my kids wanted to be there and stuff. They didn't do that type of stuff. They didn't do things. So when I worked at CMHA, we worked it. I had this. Um, I was working for Rio, and then we came up with this thing where we wanted to do things with kids, where we wanted to start like entrepreneurship, showing them how to do different things, and how to get different to get money to try to do things for themselves to empower them. Yeah, I was nine years old, and I started my first business doing that program. She did. This is this. They is, don't do this no more. They this, don't do none of this. This is what's missing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. This is what's missing. It, it can, yeah. it, when this I, is what's missing. You're right. And even then, I can remember, it wasn't a lot of kids in my she community her that, money. that was there. Like, in my community, it was not a lot of kids in the program. My mother worked there, and, and my mother was like, okay, it's this program. And I, and I went, me, I was I that kid that read, read books. I had to go, oh, remember but I would go. Valley View. I had to go down in Valley View when it she was. She had to go try to get kids get to come kids to the program to because the program no one in King Kennedy sent their kids. So to I would that go program. get kids from all the different program, all the different projects, and bring them over, and we would teach them how to do this entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and let them start their own business of what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do bracelets. Michaela wanted to do bracelets, and she wanted to quit. Michaela wanted to quit, I and I didn't, didn't let her let quit me. because I said, "You started this business, you're gonna keep going with it." <laughs> Why is it uh, you think a lot of parents didn't send their kids to this program? I think they didn't know. Uh, it wasn't that they know because we put out flyers because that's what I did. I was an outreach worker. No, I mean, not so much of not knowing, but not knowing the true benefit of the program. Like, maybe they just looked at it like. We had a good. We had a good. Like, uh, you know. We had a good. People look uh, at flyers. I, I just feel like people aren't. People aren't as aware as they should be like you know I, I don't know I'm a reader and I, I, I thrive on understanding like I, I I I will not move if I don't understand something yes and I can see a flyer that might say oh we are offering free classes for for painting and I'm like okay you know I, I might want to learn how to paint I'm going to read it thoroughly I'm going to be interested if I'm interested I'm gonna do it People don't look at stuff like that. But it's funny you say that. CMHA used to do stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. This is no lie. I started off making my kids laugh. $4.50 or maybe. Yeah. And CMHA, Frank Jackson, he started off. They had these little programs where they would pay us to learn these little trades. Yes. They don't do stuff like that no more. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of budget cuts. And a lot t- of, uh, yeah, but if they stop, kind of, you know what else we learned how to do? We, I, I learned how to play golf. Oh yeah. Me and Marquise were. Marquise started off, and he's left-handed. And I used to practice. I used to steal his left-hand gloves and try to play <laughs> right. And um, I used to try to do everything. You're stealing did. your brother's gloves? Stealing them. And I'm right-handed here. Now, my, Matt, figure this out. <laughs> and, and it was so cool. The program was so dope. It was such a dope program, and I'm so upset that they don't have it anymore. But, again, it gave us so much exposure. Like, Dude, we're black amazing. kids in the project. We never knew nothing. Of, you know, we didn't. Tiger Woods, yeah. But us playing it, yeah. never, right? And Marquise was good Marquise they was lo- they the bomb, him. okay? And they actually gave them golf clubs once they finished the program. Golf shoes, golf clubs. They would give you everything. all your equipment once you got to a certain point. And I remember him finishing his first year of the program, and he played with his left. And I used to steal his gloves, and I'd be trying to play. And he would get upset with me, right? And my mother was like, well, you know what? Forget it. I'll just put you in there. And I went the next year, and I'm playing golf. And I was I was – it was the hardest thing in the world. I thought it was going to be easy. It was so hard. But I learned so much from it. And <laughs> and that's what we need in our communities. Yeah. Those type of programs. And we don't have them. Um, Budget cuts, like you said. No money. Yeah. Well, the, the funding. Or, and and, and people that genuinely want to give back to the community. It's like, it's about money for everyone. But it's like, for me, I genuinely want to help. A person knows. And we don't yeah. have they no don't money, know. but we took out our time, and we made 200 sandwiches. Soups and I sandwiches. My mother homemade soups for my my, my event, uh, December 2nd. She uh, made homemade, two different kinds of homemade soup, and we passed out 200 soups and sandwiches to homeless people. And actually, January the 27th, I'm going to be passing out coats and blankets um, to the homeless downtown because there's so many homeless people living in tents. You see that? Yeah, it's that's uh, what makes, living that's in tents, and it hurts my heart. That's what gets us. That's so we're passing out coats and blankets. And blankets. Uh, January twenty seventh. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. put everything up for it. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, uh, I lived in Arizona for about ten years. Uh, Southern Arizona. We, I left here at Cleveland. <coughs> So the homeless that I know of mm-hmm. is sleeping on top of the heaters downtown, the uh, sewer heaters. Mm-hmm. One here, one there. I got a real look at what a homeless uh, uh, camp is all about. A park full. Mm. A park full. And I'm starting to see that now down there. Downtown. I'm st- And it, it it's... It's like, what the hell? If you go to, we were on 22nd, so we walked down to 17th in pain. They have to move. They just told them people they have to move. And they're living in their tents. Yes. And it's small camps, small camps of tents. Um, <coughs> it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see this city continuously try to build itself up, and you have these people living in tents. Now nah, we went to 2100 too. We went to 2100 mm-hmm. as well. That's the uh the, the men's shelter and we also gave soup and sandwiches out there too. Yeah. And a lot of those guys is just like uh What's the word I want to use? <laughs> They're so independent. They're just so cocky. It was just yeah. like okay. I, you would never know that they, they yeah. were okay with where they were at. They were okay. They were content. Why why is that you think? Maybe the, the mental illness. The mental illness. It's nothing but mental illness. Yeah. Honestly. It's like they it was no desire to want more. 
some you know in a sense and and that's understandable when you have something when you're battling with things mentally that won't allow you to think about the bigger picture it's the mental it's the you mental know illness. and then like you said when let's go back to the 80s when i remember back in the 80s and 70s when they had these old mental illness um Places where people would go and get help. Shock therapy. They yeah. wasn't getting real help. They were getting shock therapy. Well, they would still have facilities where they can go to. Go to. <laughs> okay. They don't have that anymore. No, they don't. They on the streets. They and are. it's not safer, you and I, yeah. and it's not safe for them either. It's not. Because a person will, now we able to do things we can, you see a mental health person walking up to you and they talking up in your, because they was up in our face yeah. like this. And, and, they were, and just they, and they weren't meaning no harm. No, yeah. it was just talking. Mm-hmm. And the girl, but it was it, one girl that was actually having a rant. She was going off. I mean, something and crazy. And just up and just doing walking. It. She was in this close to us, but she was walking, kept walking back, back and forth, going back so and forth, pacing. If a person feeling some type of way, you gonna protect yourself. Yes. Yeah. So as you should. Yeah. 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 But then it ain't their fault. It's, it's not. the mental health, the mental and that's all I kept telling them. You know, the people that was working, with, I was like. Lock it out. Because the, the one lady, she did say, she came up to me, and she was like, she called some of my girl, some of the young ladies with us bees. And I was like, hey, that's uncalled for. We're going to do what we can. All because somebody wouldn't give her no hand sanitizer. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, but it's not. And I was like, here, here go the hand sanitizer. You can have it. Yeah. You know, but, and it's just a mental thing. And I just got, it's, I just think that they need to, Take more time out instead of building all of these different Jails. places up and these different complexes and stuff. Build somewhere to put the Home, to help yeah, these people. The mental illness. No one. Constant. No one in the country is doing this. No. Um, but what I did hear, uh, I don't know if it's true or not, in Austin, uh, they were going to build a tiny house community for the homeless. I've seen that. I've seen something. I know, I'm not sure I seen where that. that was. But even if they do that, that's something. That's something. And require them to get some counseling. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if I ever came across some money, I promise you I will do it. Yeah. I will build and, 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 a, a and, and place. And I feel like it's something get so one of these simple. old schools. It's so simple as to say, okay, listen, boom, we're going to build a transitional facility yes. where you guys are going to be here for X amount of time. You have programs to complete. You know, different type of things to but go you gotta through. Get this you got to get this counseling. You got to get this counseling. You got to get this. You got to get these treatments and, in order to be eligible for the bigger picture. It's also a way to generate uh, dollars for the uh, the counselors. Yes, it is. You got to take this because medicine. now you're creating these jobs for more people. Because I mean, it, it's just gonna it's, it's a bigger it's, it it can help everyone. It yeah. ultimately, when you ma- when you narrow down on this homelessness problem and the people with the mental illnesses. If you if we truly did come together as a community, everyone would benefit from it. Not just the people that are homeless and mentally Let's ill. Let's get to it. Why don't you think they don't want to do this or they don't want to listen? Because they make more money. Keep giving them. Pump. Yeah. Look, this was that. It's about the money. Out. The money, mm-hmm. the medicine. I didn't notice that the more medicine the doctors give you, the more they the get, pharmaceutical get, companies get, get paid off of us. Yeah. Bingo. Yes. Yes. So they they keep on prescribing these different drugs, and they're not taking it. No. Because if they did, they probably get balanced and can take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not taking. They 
they need to take their medicine. They need to get on track because that's all it is. It's just and a they chemical balance. What did you say? A chemical, chemical imbalance. imbalance. And that goes into the lack of support because I feel like no one is supporting these people genuinely. You get what I mean? When we were down there uh, passing out the soups and sandwiches and I went into the facility to donate blankets yeah. um, to some of the people in the in the facility, um, just watching some of the people working there with the people and how they were talking to them, even though I'm sure, you know, you probably are tired. You probably are, you know, overwhelmed. And, and that's understandable. But again, you are in a service environment. Yeah, if you, you should be giving service, service. man. Don't be I'm going to treat rude. you the way I would want someone to treat my family member. Yes. And, 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 and that's a big thing for me because a part of the reason why I started Pearl's House is because I have uh, family members that suffer from drug addiction, mental illnesses, homelessness, all of that before. Mm-hmm. And my family came together to support even when those individuals did not and do not want the support. You know what I mean? We still come together. We still try. But um, and you get tired. You get tired, but but, but the but but the support does not stop. You do not give up. Uh, not when you genuinely care, you know. A lot of organizations uh, like yours, uh, you guys are starting at the ground level. Yes. Uh, there's a guy that uh, Ray Smith. Uh, he worked over, spoke at your brother's school. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and a lot of the guys over there off 105, they're putting this together where all these brands come together and they're doing all they can to help the community over there, uh, the kids. Uh, I just seen the other day, he's uh, opening a uh, coding center for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, another guy, um, uh, Mr. M.D. Lewis. He's doing uh, kid teaching entrepreneurship for kids, teaching them how to make cups and shirts and all this kind of thing mm-hmm. in the uh, Corey Recreation Center. Amazing things. Yes. These guys are coming together that's doing good. it. That's amazing. That's you know, and that's what we need. More of that, you know. But you guys are doing it out the ground. All of you guys are doing it at the ground level with, I'm going to say it, Limited support. Yes. And you making it happen. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's saying something. Uh, that's saying something. Well, you know, I have always taught my kids, even at Christmas time, that they had to give back. They couldn't just set, settle for just getting Christmas presents. They had to, yeah. we had to adopt a family. Every year. Where did that come from? Her mother. Yeah, my mother. Passing down generational yeah. blessings. And that's why, and my grandmother would... My grandmother would. She had ten kids of her own and would take it. She would cook for everybody in the projects. Mm-hmm. Anyone could come to her They're house. They're talking about. They still talking about it now. Yes, but anyone could come to her house and sit at her table. Isn't that, isn't that something? No. <laughs> anyone can have a meal at her table. But yeah, so that's what I, I had always talked about. We have to adopt. So we a adopt, and, and still to this day, we adopt uh, a family adopt every a family year. Every year, as a family, we adopt every, a family. And we take care of that family. That's rare. Yeah. It's very rare. Um, speaking of the family, you said your mom let any everybody come to her table and eat. Mm-hmm. Just a block over from King Kennedy uh, is Beaver Street, mm-hmm. where I grew up. My father, his my mom, auntie, my auntie, my auntie. his mom. Well, I'm pretty sure they know <laughs> each other. Mm-hmm. Well, my father may know, but my grandmother, 
uh, did the same thing. Come on over, eat. Uh, when you have a community like that, everybody tends to know your family yep. and how good your family is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody tends to uh, respect your family. These days, people won't let nobody come in their house. That's true. That is true. That is true. These days, there's a lot of disrespect and everything else goes on. It so is. when we lose those values from a community standpoint, uh, just letting a person down, come on over and eat. You know, every it, it begins to be a simple life as it once was. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we stop doing those things, it seems like everything just went to hell. Uh, we stop being neighborly to each other. That's true. Because uh, you don't even know your neighbors. No. Honestly, I mean, how many how many people can say, I, I know my neighbor. I know who my neighbor is. I know who, what my neighbor name is or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I don't know where, where we go from this as a community. I focus on us, uh, our black community first. Yeah. Uh, but this is happening all Everywhere. over. Everywhere. Yeah, don't matter just... what race you are. Right. Uh, but I can say I do see the Mexican community. Um, I never seen this before until I went to Arizona. They live 10 people in the house. Mm-hmm. Those ten people go to work. Whoever at home take care of the house. They save up money, buy the house next door. From there, buy the other house next door. Mm-hmm. I never seen anything like it. Um, but at the same time, they have problems like we have problems. Uh, a lot of the problems stems from the drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of our problems are a lot deeper than. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drugs. Of so, course. I don't know where we go from it, but um, I can say this: you, uh, you ladies are doing a hell of a job over there. Thank you know, you. I didn't know as much as I, you know, knew with you know on the grass grassroot level, you know, feeding people. That hey man, sh- yeah. maybe I'm gonna come down there and get me a soup <laughs> and sandwich. You know, the hell. Anytime, anytime. But, you know. Ms. Duncan, let us know more about your uh, nonprofit, Pearl's House. Man, Pearl's House. Um, Pearl's House is is my baby. Uh, like you said, I'm starting from the bottom. I am. I have never really done outreach. I've always witnessed my mother do it. Okay. Um, so that's why it's near and dear to me because it's also a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have done volunteer work. It's not, you know I've done that, but it's. So much more when it's yours, you know, when you are getting out here doing something on your own. Um, so the outreach work that I'm doing now, it, it still means a lot to me, but I feel like it's so much more impactful because I'm I'm coming and I'm coming hard. I have a lot of plans um, for Pearl's House where we are just really trying to empower the community as well as the women in the community um, that are homeless and suffer from, like I said, mental illnesses or any type of disability, rather. And uh, I will assist them with job readiness and preparation by helping them with their resumes and and providing them with, you know, just job search assistance, education support services, mentoring, life skills training, um, you name it. If I can help you, I will. It's, it's what's needed and it's what's missing. Um, 
a lot of uh, a lot of the programs really aren't focused on uh, I'm gonna say women. Yeah, of course. Uh, there's a you know you have some of it, but this is I'm I'm gonna say it's a small um, you yeah. know especially women of color. Yes. Uh, but I do have to say, you know, these one these families have to push their kids into these programs. They do. You, you don't know what can come out of it. You know, you don't know what. Um, My mom pushed me into them, and I'm, I feel like they they did nothing but make me better. You know, they're they're supposed they, to. The exposure was was phenomenal. You know, I feel like it's something everyone should have experienced or should experience in life. As a child and even just a teenager growing up, you know, I did Latin club. I did, mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of different things. Um, and my mom, you know, science camps. My mom always pushed me to do whatever I put my mind to. And I have a very vivid imagination. So, yes. Mom, you four successful boys. No, three boys, one girl. Three, yes. excuse me. Three boys, one girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. Three successful boys. How did you do it? Oh. Three successful boys, one successful girl. How'd you how'd you do it? A lot of fussing. A lot of fussing. <laughs> a lot of fussing, a lot of talking. See, I always tell my cousin, I don't sugarcoat nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm so honest about everything. I tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't hold back on anything. When they ask questions, I'm gonna tell them. I'm gonna break it down to them the best way I can in a way that they can understand. She uh, has no filter. I have no filter. <laughs> and I'll just say this: she's brutally honest. She, if 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 I'm getting you ready for the world was a person, it would be her, because she be. taught me. How to have tough skin. Mm-hmm. No one or nothing outside can say anything that'll hurt my feelings. You know, that'll make me feel like I can't be me. Mm-hmm. Because she prepared me for that. You know, by just by talking to me and instilling certain morals and values in me and, and, and making me feel like, listen, you're going to be strong. You can do this. Mm-hmm. Do it. How hard was it with the three boys to keep them on that right path? You know, one thing about my boys, I can say, my boys love sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if I wanted anything, I can punish them. Because, oh, you ain't, no, that's a no, or that game. And my kids, they love sports so much, and they wanted to uh, enjoy life and be outside with their friends. And, you know, so that was just, no, you're not going outside today or Doing, and it went, It never came to that point where I had to punish them because my kids knew that I was serious about what I wanted. It was school. That's something that my mother told me that I had to do, and it's something they had to do. Education was big. My mother had, um, well, seven of us living. It was mm-hmm. ten of us, but seven of us living. And each one of us got a, a diploma. So my That's mother great. didn't play that. My mother didn't. You had to get your education. So my kids, you got to get some education. And I told them, you don't have to go to college, but you got to get a trade. So my first, um, which is Day Day, which is Michael Duncan, uh, he he wanted to go to college. So I was like, you sure? He was like, yeah. So that's when I was telling about how he went to college. And Mm -hmm. then he went, no, you're not coming home. You're going to do this. So he did. How did it feel 
To well, tell him that he want to come home? Well, <laughs> with that too? <laughs> <laughs> that Let's go with that, that too. It, 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 you know, at points it was like, because they know I'm hard. Yeah. And they know that I don't play. And I, they know I, you know, I tell. I take a no for an answer. No, no, it's no. When I say no, I mean no. Mm-hmm. So he would be like, and I'm like, well, he said, well, I ain't got no money. I'm gonna send you some money. Mm-hmm. So and I and like you said, I lived in the projects then, and I'm he like, you how you gonna get? Don't worry about how I'm gonna get some money. I'm gonna yeah, get this gonna money. Get, get you, I'm gonna get you some money. I send him money. I sent him food. We sent him boxes of food. We sent him money, whatever he needed. But he wasn't coming home. <laughs> That man was not gonna come home, and when he came home, he was a man. He was. How did it he feel? He was no longer somebody's boy. He was a man. How did it feel when it made he me walked feel that good. stage? When he walked that stage, well, I wasn't able to go to that that um, graduation well, when you. He didn't want to go to the graduation in Arizona because mm-hmm. that was only a two year college. But when I went to that co- when he went to his four year college, which was South South, it was in North Carolina. Yes. It was an all black black college. And um, when I went to see him come across that stage, and um, it was wonderful because you know what, Fantasia was there too. <laughs> and I so spotted you got a bonus. Yeah, I spotted. I said that's Fantasia. But anyway, it was a hot, hot day. I'll never forget. And to see my baby come across there, I was just like full of joy. You know, my mm-hmm. first, my firstborn come across. Don't got his little bachelor's degree in sociology. Because that's something he wanted. Because that's what his dad wanted, was mm-hmm. to go to college and get his degree in sociology. So he wanted to do it. So he did it. And um, it, was, it, 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 was, it was a great feeling. You know, we came back. We came back. We drove him back home, and it was nice. And then he went right into teaching. You succeeded in life yes, as I succeeded a parent. Yes, I succeeded as a parent. And um, I'm, I'm not going to take all the joy for that. A friend of mine, Serena, she uh, took him under her wing. She got him into school as a teacher, and he's been teaching special education since, and he got his master's in special education. Now that is what's needed. Yeah. That, a, a friend, uh, another friend from the projects took him up under her wing, and she was a— uh, you know, she she was a principal, I think, then, mm-hmm. and Cleveland Municipal School, and she got him in, and she she hey, she was like, "This my child." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> she like let me. She said, "Let me have him. I, let me take care of him." And ever since then, that's his second mom. And that's the beauty of having these relationships with people mm-hmm. that are doing good in life. Yeah, you never know who can do something for you. It don't have to be financially. You know, if you can get my son, you take him up under your wing, you know, great. But that says something about you as well to this person where, you know. She did. She took him up under her wing. And then, you know, Marquise, he graduated from. The story behind Marquise was Marquise came a long way because Marquise, he, uh, Marquise couldn't read. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, in third he he struggled with comprehension in the third grade. I held him back, mm-hmm. and I went to the school and I raised all kind of sin because y'all let my son go and go, and he would have kept going until I realized he couldn't read. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting this teacher, and she helped me, and um, she really worked with me for him to read, and she stayed with him every night 
till I got off work at five o'clock and I picked him up at five and she got him to read. His goal was to not be in uh, IEP or special yeah. education. So I sent him to Central Catholic. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I would have never noticed that. I coached him uh, with my dad, and he was a hell of an athlete. And uh, this is another thing you wouldn't have known. He stuttered real bad. Mm-hmm. When he would call my name, he would be like, you never knew that, did you? No, no. He couldn't even talk. Turned out to be a hell of an athlete, and he's a hell of a dude. Because I put him in speech, and I went to – I did everything I could to get him where he needed to be. And um, this lady, like I said, she she kept him every day to 5 o'clock. She ended up passing. This teacher, I cannot think her name. But she's, and I would pick him up after I got off work. Mm-hmm. And then she said, what do he like to do? I said, he loves sports. She's like, can you can you afford to get the sports illustrator? I'm like, I, I'll do what I got to do. Yeah. I bought the sports illustrator. He start reading that book every day, every day. Start dreaming and start imagining things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something when a kid picks up, uh, <clears throat> picks up literature and start to see and envision himself. Uh, like I said, when I coached him, I mean, Never. pure athlete. Pure athlete, didn't you know. Nobody, didn't nobody know this. And then, you know, he went to Central Catholic, and his goal was to come out of Central Catholic with a 3.5. He came out with a 3.7. Hey, you know. And I was, what, what and that's another, that's another one. I was just like, yes, you know, I did it. I'm so proud of him. He did it. I would say he did it, not me. He did it because that was his goal. And that's the crazy part. This is no lie. Each one of my kids set a dream and a goal. When they were like seven and eight, mm-hmm. and they they knew what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go, and each one of them did it. You know, <laughs> this is this is a true story of how to uh, parent. Mm-hmm. You know how to be a successful parent. Yeah, thank uh, you. Thank you. You know, she poured a lot into us. Well, she's supposed to, you know? No, for sure. A lot of parents. They don't. They don't. And I'm going to say this. When I got in, I thought everybody parent was like my parents, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. She got mad Let one day because her friend, she said, my friends, oh, we got into a real bad. <laughs> she was like, my friends, is they, they mother friend. You ain't, I, you ain't my friend. I said, no, I'm not your friend. I'm your mother. And I had to been about, I had to been about She kept saying, why are you not my friend? I'm like, I was I'm like not your friend. I'm your mother. <laughs> And she's like, but they, they friends with their mother. Said, We're not friends, little girl. <laughs> and to this day, she say, nah, I understand why you want my friend. Now nah, we friends. Now nah, we, no. we the best. Listen, she is my best friend now. Now nah, we friends. Best friend in the world. But I had to be a mother first. But it was so crazy because I really thought that everybody parent was like my parent. And then I got out in the world. I'm like, hold up. Oh, man, they not. <laughs> it's really not. It's not. None. My mother... My mother gave up a lot to give us, you know, to make sure. I, mean, I, I from guitar lessons, piano lessons, I did all of that. From the third, second grade, second grade, I started piano. I did guitar. I did dance lessons. I did a bunch of stuff that I probably would have never done if I was anywhere else. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. she made it happen. Everything I wanted to do, and she they, made they sure. Go was their dad house. When I went do something, they oh, dad, yeah. oh, they dad. I got a good. <laughs> you know what? Like, I can tell you a story. I will tell you a story that I don't really tell people. But my dad kidnapped us one time. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, my mom made us mad or something. And my brother say, call dad. And we called him. My dad picked us up and snuck us out our bedroom window. And she came outside, like, get my kids back. And he was like, nope, I'm taking them for the weekend. You'll see them. You'll see them. <laughs> oh, you'll see them. Tell the truth now. And then I said, you can have she all She said, you three can have them, all the three of them. But, but give, give me, me my Malik. baby back. She wanted the baby. She didn't you even want him. Give me the Malik. three. She wanted Malik and back. And he couldn't take Malik, but he could take them. But he took us all. But that's how all moms yeah. are with their babies. She took us. He took us all. She couldn't have nobody. He said no. <laughs> he took us yeah. all. There it is. That's yeah, successful it, parenting. It, it just, yeah, she did it her was thing. A lot. It was a lot. And I just thank God more than anything in my mother because I did have a good support. My mother and my sisters, they always had my back. But you, you know, the most thing for the higher power will always have us. God took care of me. He always blessed me. My mother always say, where you sit, where you stand, where you look, where you touch, you always ask God for that blessing. Mm-hmm. And the whole that's, day uh, in. That's, that's, that's special right there. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. All right, ladies, uh, you social media and you want to let everybody know what you got yes, coming up? Yes, if anyone know anyone that needs assistance with resumes or even just financial literacy workshops, mentoring, life skills, training, um, I'm here to assist any people, anyone that's in need, even point you in a direction if you need assistance with with utilities or just housing or being able to find resources that you can't find on your own. I will be able to assist you find those resources. You can find Pearl's House on Instagram at We Are Pearl's House. Um, our, we have a website, wearepearlshouse.org. And, um, you know, just come see us. Oh, yeah, and we'll, we're giving out coats. We're giving out coats January 27th. Um, coats and blankets to the homeless downtown. I'll be walking around giving them out to them, so. Yeah. Get me a coat. Yeah. So. Anyone needs a coat, they can DM us. Let us know. Mom. I'll hold it. Anything you got? No, I'm just blessed. I'm great. I'm, you know, I'm grateful. Like I said, I'm thankful to be able to assist my daughter in this and help her with in her journey. And um, just hope everything works out for my kids and my family and everybody. You know, that's all. Well, ladies, thank you for coming street, coming to street recovery. Coming, excuse me, coming on street recovery, <laughs> coming out here to see me. Of course, uh, this Thank is you for this us. is going to be great right here. It is. Yeah, this is going to be great. So, hey, I'm your host Crenshaw. This has been Street Recovery. We out of here. Thank you. That was a lot. That was good.